This is the Make Dementia Your Bitch podcast, where I explain how caregivers can lovingly respond to confusing or challenging behaviors and reconnect with family members living with dementia. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes and is no substitute for medical advice or care. Welcome to the Make Dementia Your Bitch podcast. I'm your host, Rita Jablonski, and today's episode is going to tackle the problem of why does my family member with dementia say mean and hurtful things to me? It is hurtful and confusing when someone you love tells you things like, go away, or why are you here, or I can take care of myself, I don't need you. It is also frustrating when you know they need your care, but they do not appreciate your efforts. Yet at the same time, your loved one may become upset if you are not around. I'm often asked why this behavior shows up, especially in someone who was never mean their entire pre-dementia life. There are many reasons why a person living with dementia may start to say unkind or cruel things. One reason is their reaction to our use of logic and reasoning. I see this type of interaction a lot with spouses. It makes sense. The two of you have communicated for decades and you have a certain pattern of communication. You are caring for someone you love and respect and you want to keep that relationship alive. The changes in your spouse's brain, however, is changing how they are able to respond to you. And maybe there is a part of you that is hoping against hope that if you keep interacting with them the way you always did, things will get better. Or maybe that dementia diagnosis was a mistake. Or maybe your spouse is not as bad as everyone seems to think. I get it. This is a coping mechanism that feels good for a little while, but bites you in the butt the longer you use it. When people start caring for someone living with dementia, they really believe that if they explain the logic of something, the person living with dementia will understand and accept limitations or changes. Situations that trigger a lot of mean behavior include taking away the keys, telling your family member that, that they cannot live alone, or bringing in outside help. Family caregivers often start out with, you are not allowed to drive, or you cannot be left alone because you have memory problems. Remember, we went to the doctor's office and the doctor told you that you have Alzheimer's. That sentence will send a lot of people living with dementia right into a tailspin. Many people living with dementia have anosognosia, which means that they do not realize the extent of their memory problems. They forgot that they forget. They believe that they can still safely drive or that they can take care of themselves in spite of an abundance of evidence that they cannot. They do not remember that they got lost last week driving to the store or that they called 911 15 times yesterday because they thought someone was in the house and no one was there. You trying to explain this information will only get the two of you upset 
and trigger a great deal of mean behavior, like your family member saying, you have dementia, not me, or you don't care about me. Have you ever heard of the term gaslighting? Gaslighting refers to a manipulative type of behavior where person A twists the truth to make person B doubt their reality. I recently had a work situation where a colleague of mine complained about my work and in a meeting told our supervisor that she had asked for a project that I was working on multiple times. She didn't, but she was so convincing in the meeting that I literally thought I was having early onset dementia. I often wonder if people living with dementia feel as if they are being constantly gaslighted and that is why they accuse others of lying or making things up. They have their version of reality and you and me keep telling them they are wrong. Instead of doubting themselves, they react with anger and lash out. If this sounds like your situation, you can avoid the mean and nasty behavior by removing the word remember from your vocabulary. You can help by keeping your sentences short, sweet, and concrete. This does take practice and feels weird at first. Also, make sure you don't fall into speaking to your family member like a child. That is called elder speak. It can sneak up on you and you don't even realize you were doing it. I know better and I accidentally slipped up when I was taking care of my family member. I didn't even know I was doing it until my kids, who were 16 and 20 at the time, called me on it. Another cause of your family member saying mean and nasty things to you is hearing the word no, especially when they are in the mild to early moderate stage. Again, put yourself in their place. Imagine waking up and going about your daily routine, but every time you ask a question or offer a suggestion or say anything, you hear the word no. At some point, you are going to get upset. However, if you choose to do you have many functioning neurons that can help you to maintain a calm demeanor without flipping out. You also have the option to walk away from the situation. A person living with dementia may not have enough neurons to maintain emotional control. Any situation that triggers anger or anxiety may trigger a stream of negative, nasty, or cruel words. If you find yourself in a situation where you are constantly telling your family member, no, try the okay and approach. This approach has two pieces. The first part, saying okay, does not mean agreement. It means I heard you. You can even add, okay, I hear you. If you are concerned that your family member living with dementia thinks you are agreeing with them or that you are saying okay to give them permission to do something that they shouldn't be doing. The second part is the and part. Here is where you can change topics. For example, your relative wants to drive even though it is not safe for them to do. They begin saying, I want to drive to the store. I drive just fine. Give me the keys. 
you can respond, okay, I hear you. Let's talk to the doctor at the next appointment. Now, that might be a little lame because that might get a whole torrent of responses. So another way you can respond is, okay, I hear you. Can you help me carry these boxes upstairs? So that's using a little bit of distraction. You're turning away from the conversation, the topic at hand. Because your family member so well, you can add something after the and to move away from the issue. Even though the outcome is the same as if you had said no, the energy feels different and may help avoid insults and hurtful comments aimed at you. And if some of these techniques seem a little weird and, and you want to practice, I do have a monthly free dementia education webinar. It's the first Monday of every month, unless that Monday's a holiday. And the link to the schedule and the registration is all in the show notes. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'll talk about other reasons that can cause the yucky and negative comments. The caregiver vibe strategy works best when combined with other strategies. These other strategies include speaking in short, simple sentences, approaching with a friendly expression on your face, moving in a smooth, unhurried manner, and adding gestures and pantomime along with your words to tell your family member what to do. Priming is another important strategy that is often overlooked. Priming means that you have all of your supplies handy and the environment is warm and inviting, especially for baths and showers. Priming also means doing care in the area where you would normally provide the care. For example, I have noticed that nursing assistants in long-term care facilities try to brush people's teeth while they are laying in bed or sitting in a wheelchair outside of the bathroom. And people living with dementia are likely to refuse or resist this care because it doesn't make sense to them. If you have people living with dementia stand or sit in front of the bathroom sink or even a kitchen sink, you will have more success with brushing their teeth. Why? Because people have been brushing their teeth in front of sinks for decades and that memory is ingrained in their brains. The bathroom sink provides context for the care. Context helps us to pull up memories. Here is an example of how context helps us to retrieve memories. Have you ever had the experience of running into a coworker that you did not know very well outside of the workplace and you could not recall their name until you remembered which department they worked in and then the memory clicked? Oh yeah, that's Jan from pediatrics. Now I remember, if you saw Jan the day before as you walked through the pediatric department, you would know her instantly because in your mind, you have Jan associated with pediatrics. But standing in front of the produce section of Publix or Winn-Dixie, 
you come upon Jan and you recognize her as someone you should know, but for the life of you, you can't, you're having problems coming up with her name until you remember where she works and then everything clicks into place. The same things happen with activities that we do daily, but in specific places. I brush my teeth in the bathroom in front of the sink. I do my morning stretches in the exercise area of my house where all of my exercise stuff is stored. I eat my breakfast at the uh, kitchen table or standing at the kitchen counter depending on how late I am. I don't eat my breakfast sitting on the toilet. That's gross. Here is another example of context. Have you ever been hospitalized and had to use a bedpan? I had to, and it was so difficult because I felt like I was peeing in the bed. It was all wrong. I was sitting on the bedpan. I was sitting up in bed, but my body was saying to me, you're sitting up in bed. This isn't where you pee. Because I had been trained since age two or three to pee sitting on a toilet. Using a bedpan contradicted 50 plus years of memory. However, using a bedside commode was no big deal because it felt like I was sitting on a toilet seat, which I was, and that was a familiar feeling. Getting back to caregiver vibes, it is important to not only take three deep breaths or more, if you need, to enter a calm emotional state, but to picture yourself using these strategies and picture the strategies working. Again, this is going to sound woo-woo, but there is scientific fact behind this step. In the 1970s, a psychologist by the name of Albert Bandura published something called self-efficacy theory. In short, self-efficacy theory meant that if someone believed they could do something, they were more likely to successfully perform that activity. Other researchers building on Bandura's work, like Dr. Barbara Fredrickson, have demonstrated that positive emotions enable us to think more creatively. If you think more creatively, you will take the strategies mentioned in this podcast and described in more detail in other podcast episodes and tweak them so that they work best for your family member. To recap, the strategy Caregiver Vibes, in which you take several deep breaths to calm yourself down and picture everything working, is best used with these other strategies. A friendly approach, priming the environment, speaking in simple short sentences, and using gestures and pantomime to help your family member understand what you want them to do. Avoid using logic, like telling your family member they have to take a bath because they haven't taken one in weeks. Their sense of time is different from ours, and all you will do is get involved in an argument that you will not win, and your family member will become so upset and angry that nothing will get accomplished. Using caregiver vibes does not involve 30 minutes sitting on a cushion and meditating. It takes a minute or two to breathe deeply and calm your emotions 
while picturing you and your family member accomplishing the care activity. As you picture the successful completion of the care activity, you can also add in another strategy, entering their reality. Entering their reality means coming up with a reason to do a care activity that is aligned with their job history and or values. For example, a nurse that I know was able to get her sister with dementia to brush her teeth by saying, you don't want to walk out the door with food on your teeth. Her sister wore braces as a teen and always brushed her teeth before leaving the house because she did not want to feel embarrassed if there was food stuck in the braces and could be visible. This nurse tapped into that long ago memory, which worked. Her sister never refused brushing teeth. If you use the caregiver vibe strategy along with your other strategies and you are not 100% successful the first time, this doesn't mean you are doing anything wrong. It means that you may need to add in other strategies like bridging or chaining. Chaining has you starting the care activity and your family member taking over the care activity. Bridging is having them hold an object associated with the care activity. For example, if your family member will not let you pull down their pants and remove those pants before getting into the bath or shower, give them another pair of pants to hold. You can also add in distraction where you divert their attention by asking them about a favorite pet or having them sing a song with you. I realize that learning all of these strategies and trying to figure out how to incorporate them may seem overwhelming. The more you use the strategies, the more they become second nature and you don't even realize that you are using them. So start small. Start with your approach and short, simple sentences. Add in gestures and pantomime. Then add in caregiver vibes. Put in other strategies as you feel comfortable and noticing what works and what doesn't. If you are interested in learning more about these strategies and how to bundle them in a way that results in preventing and managing care refusal behavior, you can purchase my book, Make Dementia Your Bitch, on Amazon. Some people can learn by hearing things, which is why podcasts are great. Some people need to see the information. Me, I enjoy reading the information or watching a video. In the book, I go through all of these strategies and more, and I provide multiple examples for each one of the strategies. I also tackle many other topics, such as dealing with delusions, hallucinations, and illusions, difficult family dynamics, and what to look for when selecting a place for your family member. My book takes you through the journey from suspecting something is wrong to getting a diagnosis to going through all of the stages, and I also talk about end-of-life care. Unlike many other books on the topic of dementia, I use plain language and I sprinkle my naughty humor throughout the book, so it is funny and upbeat as well. You're dealing with enough shit. You don't need to read a book that is so depressing you want to go jump off a cliff.
So some announcements. Next Monday, January 9th at 6 p.m., I will be doing my free dementia education and support webinar. And there are there's information in the show notes where you can click and register. I'm also putting together a dementia caregiver program that will be all pre-recorded and will include six months of monthly group coaching for just the people in the caregiver program. I know I've talked about this program multiple times in the past. I've been experimenting with different ways to provide the best program in the most cost-effective manner and trying to figure out what platforms to use so that no matter how technologically impaired you feel, this will work. At this point, I'm scheduling the launch for early February. In the meantime, I also offer one-to-one private coaching to help you with everything from how to stop your family member from driving to care refusals to even figuring out which facility would be the best for your family member. I have information in the show notes or you can email me at rita.jablonski at gmail.com for more information or to schedule a 15-minute no-obligation call. Thank you so much for being here with me. I hope the information here was helpful. And together, we can all make dementia our bitch. I hope you found this podcast helpful. Please rate and review on your favorite podcast platform so other dementia caregivers can find this podcast. If you are a caregiver for someone with dementia and need help understanding and dealing with these behaviors, please contact me. You can find me on Facebook, Make Dementia Your Bee, or email me, info at makedementiayourbitch.com.